All right, here's a treat. Let's introduce our guest right now. Robert Thompson joins us, and he's got a new project. Uh, he's doing the Thompson Growth Group. You might know Robert, formerly known as the uh, CEO and, I believe, uh, chairman of uh, Punchbowl Social. He resigns his positions at Punchbowl Social, and he will move forward. He joins us now. Robert Thompson, welcome to the Modern Eater Show. Good to see you. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. A lot to talk about, right? Here we are, mid-pandemic. Business is really interesting. We've got the best of the best that come on the show, Robert, and we just like to kick around, hey, how does it look out there? Last week, Chef Troy Gard on the show, he was visibly worried, right, visibly worried about the future. You've been quoted to stay, say um, a couple of things. Right now, the real devastation of the restaurant industry is yet to come. First of all, let's just start out with that sentence, and then we'll just kind of look to see. Uh, we'll, we'll go down uh, Punchbowl Social, and then we'll touch on the new project, the Thompson Growth Group. But um, talk about the overall sentiment of the restaurant industry right now, if you would. Yeah, Sure. Um, you know, right now a lot of restaurant groups are being artificially propped up by PPP funds, you know, um, and, uh, and for a while there um, – enhanced or amplified unemployment. So the, the PPP funds were providing liquidity for the businesses to either pay rent or pay employees. And the amplified unemployment were, was putting uh, liquidity into the economy through people. And with the unemployment ratcheting back down in the PPP funds, uh, the forgiveness period of PPP expiring this fall for most restaurants uh, or restaurant groups that accepted it um, th that artificial um, structure is going to disappear and restaurants are going to start to fall. And I'm, you know, that it's, I, I only say that because I, I want people to understand that there's still, there's still a lot of support that restaurants need out there. If you think your local, you know, brew pub or coffee shop is doing great because it's still open, um, you know, wait until about October 5th when, when they don't have that free liquidity from the government to support them anymore that's when we're going to start to see restaurants actually close their doors permanently. You know what? I'm right there with you, uh, lock, stock, and barrel with pretty much everything you said there. I've been saying that right now with that infusion of fiat currency from the federal government without anything exchanging hands, a good or a service ex exchanging hands, and then um, inflating what is out there, that hyperinflation will kick in at some point. Uh, when businesses start figuring out, do I need to sell a $30 cheeseburger to stay in business? And uh, it's going to get really interesting out there right now. It, Punchbowl Social, in particular, going from $120 million to a screeching halt zero. How, how could anybody survive in that environment, right? Yeah, you know, I, I think that um, we, we sort of had some complicated circumstances add to our situation. Um, we we, we might have had a punctured shot at, at making it as a company. The brand will prevail. I want to be clear. The, the brand will be here um, for a long time. And I'm, and I'm, I'm glad that to, I believe that to be a true statement and it makes me happy. I mean, I, I founded that company and I created the concept model. Um, and I like to think I left a permanent stamp on the entertainment category. But um, but the company will go through a, a re reorganization mm -hmm. of sort, whether it's judicial or just some other type of asset cleanse. When building the company, what was your mindset? Obviously, 
I mean, okay, let's start here. Could a punch bowl social survive if, say, the new normal is what we're looking at right now? A social distancing um, (laughs) that COVID takes form in different ways and it continues on into the future. Is is a punch bowl social environment viable to, to the world we live in right now? Well, um, you know, punch bowls have uh, outsized cubic footage, right? So it's a it's a safe indoor environment. It's one of the safer restaurant uh, environments you can you can be in um, in a in a COVID state. But um, it's it's not just the the physical distancing that's an issue. Um, it's some of the other restrictions that make it hard for a punch bowl or any entertainment brand to survive. And that's the the ten o'clock last calls. Um, the fact that you know, in entertainment, uh, typically 35 to 55% of the revenue comes from corporate events. And um, with those being a zero at the moment and losing an entire day part by having to close at 10 p.m. because, you know, punch bowls are active until 1.30 in the morning. Mm-hmm. Um, so w- with, with, with those constraints, no, they, they couldn't make it if this were a permanent state. Take us through the the growth. I, I find it fascinating just starting with a concept. Do you mind just going through soup to nuts on really how how you develop the concept and and then you, you know really just building off of it and and as a as a entrepreneur a lot of times is how do you grow past your own certain imagination? How do you get good people around you and how do you infuse money as well? to uh, realize the overall dream. Do you mind kind of just taking us through uh, the steps of the, the process? Sure, happy to. It's actually a little bit of a um, uh, foreshadowing of what I'm doing with Thompson Growth Group because I'm, I'm ideating new uh, concepts. And so happy to take you how it worked Thank at Punchbowl. I, um, I like to start with understanding who my customer is. Who, who my, who's my target customer? And then I go deep into their psychographic. And so for Punchbowl, it is millennials. Uh, and then in the last three years, it's been increasingly um, also Gen Z. And so from, from, from ground zero or from, from, from genesis of, of creating a concept, um, I like to think about as I'm building, designing it, creating menus, um, you know, I'm always reflecting it off of uh, the data that's available uh, with respect to the um, my core audience. Um, once I feel like I've dialed that in, I've got the design menus, um, you know, and the authenticity uh, is is is, pal- is is palpable. Then I move on to my real estate strategy, and I think what's the what's the ecosystem where this thing thrives? Like where do, where where do I put this thing so that it reaches full blossom? And so. It's, it starts with those two elements, um, and then somewhere along the way, I start bleeding into the economics, and that's a, that's a relationship between the real estate decisions and how much capital it costs to launch each new location. Um, and then you start to get into the real boring stuff, which is, okay, what's my, what's my annualized um, uh, return on cash um, for the investment, and then trying to figure out all of those uh, dynamics that, that make, it, make it work. Now, if you get all those right, um, you can raise capital. <laughs> you can go find more growth capital. And um, for Punchbowl, we were able to capitalize it through retail uh, capital along the way, just a retail, uh, a capital syndicate. Um, and then in 2017, 
I was able to bring in the first institutional round of capital with L. Catterton, which is a premier private equity group out of Connecticut. Um, and then in 2019, um, I, I replaced Catterton with a strategic partner in Cracker Barrel. Mm-hmm. Not because Cracker Barrel added anything to Punchbowl, but because they needed growth. Um, they're a publicly traded company. Before COVID, they were a $3 billion market cap. And they, um, we, we provided growth and we provided access to a customer base of urban millennials that they don't have access to. So the, the, the puzzle pieces fit well together for that transaction. And they were eventually going to buy the entire company. There were a um, lot of steps in there. It. Robert, and we're geeks of this, so I want to go a little bit slow. And I'll bet you Brian's got a question too. And I do as well. Robert Thompson here with us. We've yet to talk about Thompson Growth Group. You're going to want to stick around and talk and hear about the future of that. Resigns as CEO of Punchbowl Social, and we're kind of just going through the steps, but I want to go back just to that first property. First of all, the first property was where? Is that the one on Broadway? Yep. Yep. First in Broadway. First in Broadway. And what year was that born? I signed the lease in 2010 and we didn't get it open until 2012. Um, we had asbestos along the way. And it was just, you know, and, you know, some people forget that I founded Punchbowl during the Great Recession. So I'm actually a believer that great things can come from crisis. And um, so raising capital during the Great Recession was a challenge, but we got it done and um, we ended up, you know, sort of defining a category as a result. Did you see that first, uh, that first store, that first location as just a, a one and done and that was your stopping point? Was that your vision to begin with that or would, did you always build to scale? Prior to Punchbowl, I built everything to be uh, just one-off uh, concepts customized for the location that they were in. Um, Punchbowl is the first business that I founded that uh, I designed it for growth. So Punchbowl, from the first moment that it was uh, an acorn uh, in in my mind, um, I was processing it to be a, a growth concept. All right, here's where I really like it. Right now in the process of really kind of um, doing the same thing with the modern eater and scaling and procedures are a very difficult thing, as you, as you well know. Uh, in the midst of just to finish with the book Traction, I don't know whether you've uh, gotten into that book or not. Um, Traction's a great book. The, the, Someone else recommended it to me recently. So oh, is that right? Like I need to well, it sounds yeah. like you could probably write a book like that. But when you <laughs> when you were building Punchbowl Social, did you build it? To, uh, I mean, you mentioned that you built it to scale. What were some of the things that you had to do in order to realize that dream? Because really, for a lot of businesses, that is a dream to be able to do. You know, you, you have to be able, you have to pay attention to your, um, to your operating metrics. You know, if you can't get a single location to drive 20% profit at the store level before you add in corporate GNA, um, you're never going to get any, any traditional private equity to invest into you. Yeah. So you, you really have to build the model in a way that you can get to at least 20% profitability. Um, and that's, you know, often a challenge in the restaurant industry. And that's why only certain concepts are supposed to grow. And some are, you know, fine just being one onesies, twosies. 
at the end of the day, um, when you are looking for money, um, money really likes the idea of organization and procedures. What was the second punch bowl that you opened up? Yeah, so the second one was in Portland, and that was a bit of an odd deal. Um, I, I think I would redo it again, but it was a situation where the landlord came to me and, and offered me 100% of the capital to open up in, um, in their center. And um, it was an odd center, and it's not the typical punchable real estate profile. But I took the project on because uh, we were early stage, and it struggled for a couple of years. And then it started actually making pretty good money um, for, you know, after about the first 18 months, it, it really started to throw up consistent cash. Um, but, you know, in, 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 back to your, your originating question there, when we're, you know, when we're trying to scale up, you have to go ahead and make the painful and expensive decision to invest into your personnel infrastructure. Mm -hmm. And that's something I did early. I, I developed my C-suite at Punchbowl um, on, while I was opening my second location. So I sort of did everything myself for the, first, for the first one here in Denver. And while I was developing the second location, I started hiring the C-suite and that's expensive. Um, and you end up having to do a combination of giving away cash or, or paying cash and, and equity to people. But um, it's important. That's the only way you're going to get real capital to follow you is if you have a real organization developed. I know. it. And so that point to where, it, you know, the, the conundrum is you start to ask yourself, well, would I rather um, have 2% profit off of a $100 million company or 20% profit off of a really well-run million-dollar company? Uh, that's where it yeah. starts getting interesting. When did you, um, using the term traction, when did you find that you were really accelerating and had that traction? And it must have been a kind of a scary thing as well. He didn't like the question. No, so, I'm sure his phone, Bowl, his phone rang. At Punchbowl, um, you know, I, I had traction with Punchbowl two years before I ever opened it. And that's the bizarre truth that um, I, I, I had had some success in my career opening up um, one-off concepts and had won um, a number of Best New Restaurant Awards. And so when I announced that I was developing Punchbowl, which was sort of related to some other big box concepts I'd done earlier in my career, um, the landlord community perked its head up and started paying a lot of attention. And I knew I knew I was onto a winner when I had, you know, effectively a landlord come to me before I ever opened up the first location and offered to completely finance the second location. And, and that is, um, that's a surreal moment. Very interesting. I, I'd like to jump in sure, here real quick, please. Robert. What a great um, conversation. Your, your idea around millennial and Gen Z are you at all changing gears right now? Are you? Are oh, is you this the future conversation? Well, I don't it, want to get there yet. Okay, I, it's it's I the bridge. Wanna, yes, good, it's, it's good, sort of the bridge. All right, let's do that bridge. That's a great moment right now, Brian, and you're you're really catching on to that. Um, you've been quoted to say, "Right now is the time for development mode, and not the time for asset management mode." I think that that's a really key thing for you to maneuver into the future with the uh, new project Thompson Growth Group. So that's a great segue. Are you good on time? Can we pause here real quick for a couple of words from local sponsors? 
I'm good. I'm having a good time. Let's keep chatting. That's fantastic. Okay, Robert Thompson here with us. This is fantastic. We kind of just went down memory lane, but I wanted to plumb his brain, Brian, about really how you do that because Punchbowl Social always struck me as, like, very cool concept and then accelerate. It just went for it, right? Yep. And you watch that happen. Good or bad in today's um, uh, today's climate? I don't know. It's hard to $120 million company screeching to a – to a halt, to a zero, especially in the um, gathering. You know, the 10 p.m. curfew. There's all kinds of strikes again it's to, yeah. to be able to survive. Anyway, clean break off, new project coming up. We're going to break off and talk about that. Talk about the future. Talk about development mode. What does that mean? Because you need to put a strategy into place and then go. I want to hear about it. Thompson Growth Group, we'll hear about that as we break away and come right back. It is a Monday, August 24th. You're listening and watching The Modern Eater Show. Hey, guys. Chris Johnson here, owner of Rome Sausage, your hyper-local source for all things sausage awesomeness. My family is proud to carry on the fine traditions of Rome's founder, Jerry Rome, by producing a variety of amazing sausage in small batches with an eye on quality, not quantity. Every batch is made here in the great state of Colorado, by hand mixing spices, utilizing lean cuts of pork to make an outstanding product. Sourcing ingredients and materials locally, we are committed to supporting local vendors, chefs, restaurants, and the entire Colorado food scene. Getting hungry yet? Brats, Italian, breakfast, hot Polish, green chili, chicken apple, and the world's best chorizo. You can source all of our sausage through a variety of food service distributors. If your distributor doesn't carry it, call us. We'll come direct. You want a custom item? We'll do that too. Samples, and of course, sausage jokes, can be had by contacting me directly at chris at romesausage.com or by phone at 303-296-7663. The modern eater loves Rome sausage, and I know you will too. <laughs> hey, Zach Ryder here, Colorado Mills Sunflower Products out of Lamar, Colorado, your only local source grown from a local crop to produce a local oil for local chefs. You can find it at Shamrock Foods, What Chefs Want, Seattle Fish Company. Uh, let me try it one more time, then we'll see. Hey, restaurants, we're glad you're reopening from Colorado Mills Sunflower Oil. We'll see you soon. <laughs> First, we partner with the best farmers in the world, and then we tell them, we will take it all. Process whole spices daily, blend custom spices to order, keep it fresh, safe, and flavorful, all so that you can get back to doing what you do best. So whether you're a restaurant, a food manufacturer, or an at-home cook, be sure to visit The Spice Guy at www.thespiceguyco.com. Okay, welcome back. And uh, we'll get back to Robert Thompson in just a moment, formerly Punchbowl Social and uh, new project, Thompson Growth Group. Uh, a, a great business right here. And I, I also think that uh, Robert used Jeff Rourke and Ace Plus Beverage Solutions in a couple of his build-outs. It, he is the most trusted man in the business. Uh, locally owned and operated, a family man, 20 years in the business. He's doing a lot of uh, kind of maintenance stuff right These now. These days, yeah. <laughs> and uh, just got off the phone with him actually today. He'll make an appearance on Thursday, Jeff Rourke. 
is, uh, again, making your tap dreams become reality and truly trusted with some of the biggest, baddest build-outs around, but also doing the uh, Adeline and maintenance type of thing, which is very, very important to any successful business trying to watch their pennies because pouring inefficient beer does what to you, boys? You pour your money, money down, down the, the drain. drain. You don't need to pour your money down the drain right now. You just need to get a hold of Jeff Rourke and A-plus Beverage Solutions. Do like so many. Trust yourself with this man. Give him a call. Here's his phone number. Brian, are you ready? I'm ready. All right. Get your pen. 720. This is his cell phone. You can call him right now. If you're out there and you're saying, you know what? I need to get my, I need to add a line. I want a water or a nitro, a coffee, a spirit line, whatever. Kombucha. Your glycol system needs to be tweaked. He'll do it. He'll send somebody out for you. 720-272-3809. One more time. 720-272-3809. He's locally owned and operated. He's the man. His name is Jeff Rourke in A-Plus Beverage Solutions. Okay, it is a Monday. It's August 24th. And uh, just barreling through this Monday, and we're having a great conversation right now with, in my estimation, a a business mind that, uh, listen up. If you've missed any of the show, rewind it, because we kind of talked about the... uh, the uh, growth of Punchbowl Social and what that really took to come to scale. Welcome back to show, Robert Thompson. Robert, thank you. You're in the green room today. Now, Brian, you wanted to set up a question because I thought it was a good one before the break. Let's go into that conversation as we reinstate formerly Punchbowl Social and now the new project, Thompson Growth Group. Yes. And, uh, Robert, thanks again for being on. Um, one of the things that I'm, I'm really interested, your strategy, um, and your strategy goes around – the concept of looking for the millennial and Gen Z. Um, and that was really what helped you build this awesome, you know, company and structure. What was punch, what is a punchable social. Um, and like you said, you created this new category really in, in the food and entertainment world. Given today's landscape, where would your head and mindset be? And are you going to double down on that and go forward with it? In, in terms of developing new 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 products, new products, yeah. yeah let's, let's start here. Regard. Let's start here. Let's just uh, describe, if you will, um, Thompson Growth Group and what you're looking to do with that project. Yeah. Um, so, Denver is has become you know a highly relevant economic market in the country, and you know, and hasn't always been. It's been interesting, and it's been a tourist. People drive through here on the way to the mountains, but now it's relevant in some regard. And then it also has um, cultural depth to it now. And uh, the food scene is, is just really um, top tier. So Denver doesn't have a restaurant and hospitality restaurant growth product incubator like Phoenix and, and Scottsdale do with uh, Fox Restaurant Group and uh, Philadelphia does with um, uh, Stephen Starr's uh, Star Restaurants in Dallas with Front Burner. And then the grandfather of all incubators is Maggiano's, excuse me, not Maggiano's as a product, but um, let us entertain you in Chicago, what Rich Melman brought to life. So Thompson Growth Group is that incubator that will be based here in Denver, where I will launch new concepts um, that are that are growth brands. Um, and it'll provide the infrastructure and the support for these brands that I create Um get off the ground safely to reach um, sort of uh, an altitude where they can then, you know, catch their own wings and, and take flight. Great. So you've got three things that you're developing right now. Can we talk about uh, Nobis, Dinette and Fiona? 
Yeah, um, Nobis is sort of the flashiest one that get, gets a little bit of the most buzz right now because it's a forty to 60,000 square foot um, concept model. And it's, a, um, it's, a, it's an affordable private club um, oriented for millennials with a private restaurant, private craft cocktail bar, gym, and remote office space. Um, what we know is that big companies around the country are scaling back the requirement to bring people in to work in the office that's going to be permanent post COVID. Um, but people have also found they can't work from home five days a week. We go nuts. So Novus is your gym. It's your members only restaurant and club and, and craft cocktail bar. But it's also that third place that you can go office two days a week. Um, and just, you know, it sort of absorbs your or becomes part of your whole lifestyle routine on a daily basis. Wow. Um, describe like what a day would look like in a Novus. You know, I, I could, uh, I guess if I were a consumer based on the way that, that I, uh, I behave, you know, I would show up at seven in the morning and I would, you know, I would work out and, um, you know, by eight thirty, eight forty-five, I'd be showered upstairs, standing in line to get a smoothie and, and a coffee. And I would sit down in one of the remote working spaces and, and work until lunch, sit down and get a hand roll at the, at the hand roll bar. Um, and then push through um, the rest of the afternoon there until, uh, you know, you go into, you know, have friends in uh, their non-members. You're allowed to bring some non-member friends in and have a drink in the craft cocktail bar and dinner thereafter. Wow. And can what I you, ask, Robert, is, are you it, reserving that? Is that like an office flex? Is that what you're thinking? And are you reserving it or? So it's, it's not actually, um, um, it's not co-working. Um, right. It's not, you won't, you won't, um, take down, um, exclusive space for yourself for a 30 person company. This is truly individuals that, um, that you get this, this environment to work out of just as part of your membership dues. Seems like, so, a, um, a, like a very sweet health club. Um, some of those, it is, but I want to make it accessible and affordable, hyper hip, right. And, and culturally relevant, but but still accessible. This is not elite. Now, a lot of times, um, just necessity, that's invention, right? Do you see this need out? Where, where is this coming from? You're, this is burning inside of you somewhere. You're seeing this need. Where is it coming from right now? Yeah. So remember, I, I talked about the real estate side of it also that is one of the first two pillars. Um, so uh, I'll speak to that in a second. But the, the first piece is just that um, so I developed Punchbowl uh, or Nobis a number of years ago. I just uh, did not find the right time to launch it. And so as I was watching the dynamics form in the COVID environment and then predicting what it's going to look like afterwards, um, I, you know, I see this, this need for folks to have this third place to go and spend time because it is going to be permanent that, that large companies are not going to, they're going to shrink their office footprint and save the money. Um, and then, uh, I have a lot of landlord relationships, mostly from my you know ten years of growing Punchbowl and um, and understanding the way the big box dynamics work for these landlords and how their Macy's, J.C. Penney's, Neiman Marcus, and Lord and Taylor have all filed bankruptcy this year. Mm-hmm. So there is a, a massive void uh, in the marketplace and some and capacity issues for these um, for these landlords. They need to fill them mm-hmm. with. 50,000 square foot novices around the country. And so when I put those two things together, that was all I needed 
to feel in part that was the reason to, to, to make the decision I did to leave Punchbowl because I needed I wasn't just going to leave without a without a plan. Sure. Um, and I knew that I had I knew that I had a product. I feel about Novus the way I felt about Punchbowl in 2010. Wow. That's strong. So with this concept development that's been in your mind for a while and you just have to look to, okay, when's the the iron ready? You know, when can we strike on this thing? Are you betting on the role that there's going to be some great opportunities out there real estate wise? Or did you already have that lined up? What's the real estate climate look to you? You mentioned a few of these larger shutdowns, but I think it's going to be bountiful out there. Yeah, it's um, I'm sort of um, allowing the mystery to unfold in front of me on this because I think it's um, what I'm seeing is that the real estate opportunities are only getting better. Mm-hmm. Um, the longer we wait, the better they will be. I'm looking at space in Miami, Denver, Montreal, Vancouver, and LA. Um, you know, I, I hope that I could get the first one open here in Denver. Uh, that's actually what I'm shooting for. Um, but um, any but secrets the, but the you real want to tell us? Deal, any secrets you want to tell? Uh, <laughs> we're not there yet. <laughs> so, Robert, it's interesting, though, because listening to you on paper and just in concept, this is like a home run. Like it's well, a no-brainer. It right now? I mean, it, but, well, but that's assuming the, COVID The other away. side right. of that, that's what I – because he's, so, he's touching on well, health clubs, uh-huh. which are, yeah. you know, one of the big targets, restaurants, which are one of the big targets. And then, like, entertainment as a whole. See, now, it could be genius to have this develop during this time to where everything kind of water finds its own level and, and may sink to the bottom. And, again, when you it struck me when you said the Great uh, Recession is when you started to develop Punchbowl Social. <laughs> is there, this, is, this is really actually very interesting, Robert, how you are betting that life will go back as normal sometime in 2021 to be able to take a concept that is very much so a community concept. Yeah. Um, I, um, you know, I'm a, I'm a glass three quarters full guy, maybe <laughs> more so than half full. And uh, I, there is a bright side in everything. I mean, look, my company just got wiped out and, uh, and I'm, I'm one of the victims of COVID. Mm-hmm. And I didn't lose a loved one. There are people that lost far more, um, you know, emotional um, uh, connections in their life related to COVID. But I'm an, but I'm an economic victim of this thing. Uh, something I put 10 years into was got uh, effectively caught COVID and died. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I'm sitting here saying, this is a, this is a great time to be developing new product. And I, and that's all I know how to do. I, I don't know how to look backwards. Development mode. Let's move on to Dinette, if you would. Dinette Fine Foods. Dinette is, um, uh, this is my quirky, really fun, but, but big scale opportunity product. Um, it's an all day concept. Um, breakfast, lunch, dinner, uh, small box, 3,500 square feet. Um, extreme design forward environment, um, open kitchen. What does that mean? Um, extreme design forward environment. What does that mean? Uh, that's just, I, that's nothing other than my, my nomenclature for saying it's that we're putting a lot of energy into the design. Gotcha. It's important to us. Okay. Um, and when it's a small box, we can sort of go heavy. Um, and, um, I, I, I jokingly refer to it as an urban waffle house for Gen Z and millennials. And um, the, the differentiation point of it 
is that it's going to lean into 26% delivery. And um, we, we know, and this is sort of a, an, an odd example, because it's not the type of restaurant that I develop, but Denny's, which is just, you know, this institutionalized, not very exciting, you know, culinary uh, concept. But what they figured out is that people love to come in for breakfast and lunch to that type of, you know, to a diner type concept. They don't want to come in for dinner. But Denny figured out that um, people will order delivery at dinner from those types of places. They're almost embarrassed to go into a Denny's at night, that they'll go there for breakfast. Um, and I think that if we, if, we, if we position it from a real estate standpoint in highly dense multifamily, millennial and Gen Z heavy trade areas, we will get that dinner traffic that might normally wane off you know, in the PM hours for a concept like this. And so we'll be able to drive outsized revenue because um, we'll get what we're going to get at breakfast and lunch. And then we'll get sort of this, this syrup on top um, of to-go traffic in the PM. And you see that as a, a, a nationwide scaled brand? I think it's a 200 unit concept. Whoa. I think, you know, I, I will start by putting three or four in the, Den- in the greater Denver area. Um, but it, but it, it is a... Um, I think it's a substantial, it's the smallest box, but, but the highest number of units of anything that I'm, I'm working on. Do you find Denver to kind of be your, uh, you know, epicenter or, or ground zero for these types of uh, concepts for proof? I do now. Um, I do now because there's been so much migration here. And I think Denver is a great slice of America because it's not just, you know, the folks from the Rocky Mountain West. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, you know, I know as many people in Denver that are from New York as I do that are from Denver or, you know, the, or the surrounding uh, states. Interesting. So um, I, I think it's a great little, um, you know, beaker dish for trying to put things together. Fiona, please tell us about Fiona. Fiona is, um, is, is, a, is a different version of experiential F&B um, than Punchbowl. It does no gaming. It is not no activations like that. Um, but experiential F and B is something that you know uh, to 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 experience an activity like bowling, or to experience something that's an aroma or or, or art, um, you know, uh, while you're dining and uh, and drinking in in a, in a restaurant. That transforms it into experiential. And Punchbowl is an experiential food and beverage product. Fiona is one in a different uh, sort of different part of the restaurant spectrum. It's a polished casual concept that um, with a better for you culinary component. Um, And because I'm going to have a baker, an in-house baker as part of the program, um, I'm able to make fresh bread every day and make fresh pastries every day. So there will be a coffee program uh, that starts at uh, 6.30 or 7 a.m. with fresh pastries. Um, and then at 11 o'clock, we'll open up an artisanal sandwich counter using the fresh bread um, as we, you know, then we get into the lunch and then eventually the dinner service of this, this polished uh, casual restaurant. But the thing that sort of binds it together and makes it um, experiential is we're going to put a florist right in the middle uh, of the restaurant. So that's where the, these experiences start to come in. So you're going to walk in the door. And so you're going to be invaded by the aromas of, um, uh, of, of this flower shop when you first walk in, into the door. So 
that is, I think, going to be um, a really neat, um, esoteric uh, type uh, restaurant experience, which I think it's not a 200 unit growth product, but it might be 10 or 15. Mm. Uh, with the last couple of minutes here with Robert Thompson talking about the Thompson, Thompson Growth Group. Um, these are really cool. One thing that really strikes me as you've went down the list with Nobis, Dinette, and Fiona, I'm not seeing any direct competition to Punchbowl Social. Was that on purpose? Was that a legal thing? Were you asked to be out of that space? Do you have a non-compete? Um, it's, it's striking that you're not going after that space right now. Um. It's an interesting question. And um, I actually left Punchbowl with no non-compete. So I am permitted to legally, contractually, permitted to um, to get back into the category. And I haven't ruled that out. Um, it's just, I know that if I talk about that, um, that becomes the only headline. <laughs> so, you know, you know, Thompson launches, com- you know, uh, competitive brand to the company he founded in number 10 years ago. <laughs> So I don't have a plan yet for that, but it is on the table. Robert, what is that? What is the one accomplishment that you're most proud of throughout this? Um, that I believe in my, in my heart of hearts that I have, that, that I have helped multiple of my teammates that developed Punchbowl with me, you know, sort of gain access to this, uh, this theoretical restaurant hall of fame. Like we've created something that was so special, so differentiated. We defined a category. Um, and the, the resume that some of my people built by helping put this thing together and scaling it the way that we did um, of a concept model that didn't exist in this manner until we built it. Um, that I'm, I'm, I'm really proud. I think there's going to be a lot of, I, I think a lot of my people are going to have brilliant careers of their own using Punchbowl as that springboard. Oh, wow. Congratulations. Man, I'll tell you what. Uh, as you forge your way into the future and the charge seems to be behind you, you're going to need a lot of money, my friend. Is there anybody how, how, – money. Where are you going to get the money? Is there any – can people get in on these types of things? Um, lots of investors watch the show. Yeah, we um, – you know, it's a, it's a funny thing to say, but raising capital isn't – that hard once you figure out the formula but raising the right capital is hard making sure that you're partnering with the right uh with the right people and uh, i've taken a lot of pride over the years and being able to um uh, be selective and bring in the right types of capital partners that are creative to to the organization to the brand and uh into the ultimate mission so um so I'm in capital mode, but it's as much um, searching as, as as much as it is really vetting through the the right type of capital discussions. Uh, what do you want to leave us with? Thank you for the just wonderful interview, Robert Thompson. I appreciate it. Um, you know, uh, I'm I'm just proud to launch this uh, this incubator in Denver. You know, I think Denver deserves a national incubator, and if I'm fortunate enough to put it together and have success, then um, you know. It'll help. It'll just help add to sort of the, the trophies that we have here, you know, as Denver and the, the national restaurant map. In an undisclosed location somewhere in Denver, there he is, Robert Thompson in his green room attic. It was a pleasure catching up with you today, Robert. And we would love to stay in contact with you uh, as the, the weeks and months ahead come by. 
Thanks, guys. Good show. You bet. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you, Ryan. That was a good one. Up next, we have him standing by. Juan Padro is going to join us.